Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Get ready as Pastor Jim teaches in his series, Chandler, Phoebe, Joey, Monica, Ross, and Rachel discovering you can't live the right life and have the wrong friends. And please, if you're ever in our area, we would love for you to be our special guest. You can visit our website, joychurch.net, for service times and events. We're beginning a brand new series today. Very excited about it. This is going to make you think. This series is not one that's going to help you run around the building and get all excited. It's going to make you think. There's going to be a lot of in-depth wisdom in this series, and I'm very excited about it. We've entitled it, and I love the title. You ready? Check it out. Chandler and Phoebe and Joey, Monica, Ross, and Rachel. And I love the subtitle, Discovering You Can't Live the Right Life When You Have the Wrong Friends. And putting this series together... I thought back to my days before I knew Jesus. You know, I did not give my life to the Lord until I was 20. I was an alcoholic, checking IDs at a bar, and the Lord radically changed my life. But I remember back, I think it was my second year at the University of Tennessee, so this was about three years ago. And I remember, this is before I, I knew the Lord a long time ago, and, and I had a roommate, his name was Barry. And he and I were not exactly good for one another. We, we, our relationship was a, a, just a bit toxic. And, and we were known to do quite a bit of really lousy things. And I remember uh, we were coming home one, one evening from a double date. I had my girlfriend. He had his girlfriend. We were dropping them off at their tall dorm room. And all of a sudden, as we got out of the car, we were showered down upon by, I think, what was ice that day. And I looked up very quickly, and on about the seventh floor, someone had opened their window, their dorm window, and thrown ice down on me and Barry. And I discovered later that it was the ex-boyfriend of my present girlfriend. <laughs> he didn't have the courage to ice ice me baby, but he <laughs> threw it down in some incognito way, thinking that I was not going to find out who this was, but I saw the window shut, and I counted up, and so did my buddy Bear. We counted up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We counted up to the floor, and then I counted over one, two, three, four, five, and then we ran up to the seventh floor, because you know, if you've been here any length of time, you know how your pastor was before I met Jesus. I was a handful. 
Just be, just be, you policemen, just be glad I'm saved. That's all I, that's all I can, that's all I can tell you. And, and, and so we ran up there and we were so angry. We got ice thrown down on us. And so me and my buddy Barry, we kicked in the door to this dorm room and we we're going to go inside. And little do we know we kicked in the door to the wrong room. And two UT college guys in their underwear have never been so scared in their lives. <laughs> All you can do at that point is going, sorry, guys. <laughs> How many know you can't live the right life when you have the wrong friends? You're always going to kick in the wrong doors. Come on, I worked hard for that example. <laughs> I had to go back a ways. Now, now listen to me. How many understand? You remember, you remember back in the book of Genesis, you remember creation, and you remember as God created, he created various things and said, it is good, and he would create something else and say, it is good, and he would create something else and say, it is good. But then finally he got down to man, saw that he was alone, and this is the first time he said, this is not good. It's not good that man should be alone. And that tells you and I that God is a relational God. First and foremost with him, of course, but secondarily, he wants us to have godly, functional, biblical relationships in our life because if we don't, he knows that our life will suffer for it. And in this culture, in this generation, I have never seen so much dysfunction among relationships in my 57 years. I have never seen it. It's amazing to me how much dysfunction that there is within relationships. And I tell you this, that's not good. According to God, that's not good. And so that's what this series is dedicated to, helping us. If, if you can't live the right life and have the wrong relationships, I can promise you, if you begin to have right relationships, so much more of your life will be right. Now, I realize that this is a big church. I, you know, there's, we have over 2,300 active Joy Team members. Can we give God a big thanks? I'm thankful for all of you. Multiple services, I realize that. And, and if you come from a smaller background church, that can be overwhelming to you. But I do want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, there are ways to make a big church smaller. There, there, there really are. We've, we, we've hired now, about six months ago, our new connection pastor, Pastor Eric Garcia. And he's working very hard on helping you get connected on a smaller level because you need godly relationships. And we have contained within this big church smaller groups called joy groups where you can make a very big church that can make a very big difference a whole lot smaller and you can get connected. And I really challenge you, you need to do it because you can't live the right life and have the wrong relationships. So I provided a video for you just so that you can know what's available to you. Check it out. Whether you're single or married, right out of high school, or enjoying retirement, there's a place to connect right here at Joy Church. We call them Joy Groups. Are you 18 and out of high school? Joyride is the perfect group to meet other fun single young adults ready to take on the world. Every month we'll have fun events where you just might meet your new BFF. Are you a couple just starting their journey together? Then Young Married Couples of Joy is for you. Come meet other couples and get connected here at Joy Church. We enjoy life together. So come on out and connect with other amazing people and enjoy the journey.
Are you ready to have so much fun you'll laugh till your cheeks hurt? Then jump on in to our next event. Join in on the fun and food because our senior saints know how to have a great time. Ladies, are you ready to connect with other women in a life-giving atmosphere? Then Women of Joy is for you. Come learn how to influence your world and your family for Jesus. Come hang out with other real men of joy. Here at Joy Church, our joy groups are just one more way for you to connect with other awesome people just like you. Who was that hunk at the end of that video? My wife, I got, I actually got a woo-hoo from my wife. I got to tell you right now, we've already taken up the offering. You guys are dismissed. Now listen, I want you to know, I have nothing to do with putting those videos together. That is my, uh, Chad Davis, my multimedia director. Come on, encourage him. Come on. Nothing. So you can tell relationships and connections are extremely important. So let's jump into it. We've got some really important things. Here's where the wisdom kicks in. There's going to be a, a, a little bit in depth, and it's going to make you think, but this can absolutely change your life. So much of this, uh, I've never taught before. This is just some wisdom that the Lord has recently given me. Let me talk to you about 11 righteous realms of a relationship. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, all of these principles will apply to everybody in the house to help you build biblical successful, functional relationships in your life and therefore affect your life for the better. Realm number one, check it out. You can never love beyond what you know. Never. That was who knows what. You can never speak beyond that mean speaker. You understand that. You can never love beyond what you know. Boy, is this important. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, that my people, God, God speaking, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He didn't say for the devil. He didn't even say for your mother-in-law. He said, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. That word love is such an abused word. We love our wife. We love uh, the predators. We love ice cream. And we have really no idea what love is all about. We just use that term willy-nilly, and we're just not sure what it means. How many know John 13 and verse 35, Jesus said, they'll know us, Christians, by our love and our love one to another. And if we really don't know what love is biblically, then how are the people out there going to know that we're his followers? So you cannot love beyond what you know. That is imperative that we understand this. So let me talk to you a little bit about this because let me give you two knowledge nuggets. We got to begin to know what love is all about biblically or our relationships will be very dysfunctional. Nugget number one, check it out. You always love to the level of the knowledge that you have and no more. I can't, you can't love beyond what we know from God's word about what true biblical love is. And then the second knowledge nugget, it's so important, check it out. Number two, you love like you've learned. 
Now, 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 this is really big because I watch people, they grow up in dysfunction, and we have now a generation that has grown up in dysfunction. More uh, of our children have grown up in dysfunctional households than have not, and so they've never seen what a successful marriage looks like. They've never seen love in action, and therefore it's very difficult for them to repeat because you love like you've learned. L let me explain that further. You, you, you'll, you'll get this as we go. Let me give you four thoughts about that. This will help you. Number one, check it out. When your children are young, you are their hero, and you know everything. Remember those days? Come on, how many got kids? you remember those days? How many, those, are long, those days are a long time ago. Number two, this is also true, when your children are teens, you are stupid and you don't know anything. It's amazing how dumb we got in just a few years, right? If you got teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. Third, third thing, check it out. When your children are in their 20s, you're getting smarter. Now maybe you do know a few things. What, what do you know? You're surprising everybody. And this, I love this. This is my favorite. Number four, we have revenge. When your children are in their 30s, they become you. And you just laugh. Come on, our revenge is sweet. Come on, how many out there, you, some of you go, you, you just think to yourself something that you did. That's just what dad used to do. Oh my gosh, that's what mom used to do. We, we, we've all been there. I've turned into my mom. I've turned into my dad. Because people don't do what others say. By and large, people do what people see. And if that's the case and we've not learned how to love functionally and biblically, that we're going to have a whole lot of repetition that's really unhealthy. And therefore, our relationships are going to be just that way. Come on, you can't have, you can't live the right life and have the wrong relationships. It's impossible. Anybody in the house, you got teenagers? Then you, you know that second statement is true. It's amazing. It is a, you, you become, you, they become a teenager, and instantly we become, as parents, stupid. We don't know nothing. And those of you that don't have teenagers, you, you'll understand this video. Check it out. Honey, let's talk. Obviously, there's nothing to talk about. You think I'm just a kid that I can't be trusted. I can't even go to this stupid party where everybody is going to be. I'm going to look like a loser for not even being there. It's not fair. Oh, honey, the fair only comes in August here. Has Ferris wheels and cotton candy. I swear, I must be adopted. Oh, you're not adopted. Why would we choose you? <laughs> Brutal, but kind of fun. Kind of fun. <laughs> We're just kidding, folks. Come on, cheer up. Just have a little bit of sense of humor. I'm going to tell you right now, people really do what people see. We love to the level that we've learned. Therefore, we must learn what true biblical love is. Second realm of righteous relationships, and this will help you. Here's where we're going to get a little bit deeper now. Number two, check it out. In relationships, you must understand the difference between a permanent building and a temporary scaffolding. Now, there's a lot of wisdom here that's coming at you, and I want you to turn to the book of Ruth. Dear me, we're turning to the book of Ruth today. Turn to your neighbor and say, Baby Ruth, come on, just tell them, Baby Ruth. Ruth chapter 1, 
We're going to look at verses 14 through 17 in the New King James. And before we do, I want to give you a little bit of background so that you can at least be caught up with us. Here we've got a woman by the name of Naomi, and her husband has died. Her two sons have also died, and now all that she has left in life are her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. And this is kind of where we pick up. They're in a real transition phase in their life, and in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 14 through 17, let's look at these verses. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Another, Naomi was saying, look, Orpah's gone. She's leaving us. You could go with her. That's no sweat. I mean, you understand that Orpah had to go ahead. She had a TV show that she had to get to. And <laughs> she had her own network, you know, that she had to begin to start. And... Oh, wait, that's Oprah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. By the way, look under your seats. There's Ginsu knives for everybody. Look, I actually caught about six people going... People are not bright. You're not bright. <laughs> Let's continue on, please. But Ruth said, that was fun. That was really fun. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. And I love this response. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Oh, my goodness, Ruth understood the power of commitment. Orpah was a temporary relationship in Naomi's life, but Ruth decided, I am going to be not just scaffolding. I'm going to be a long-term relationship. Now, now, now listen to me closely because I really need to, to give you wisdom here, and there's a lot of wisdom. I've, I've never taught this before, but there's so much wisdom here. It's going to be a little bit thoughtful, but I've broken this down in easy ways for you because I think our relationships, by and large, consist in three different categories. And if we mix up the categories, I can promise you we're going to set ourselves up for some very dysfunctional relationships. So let me kind of break them down for you. Let me give you category number one. Check it out. And I've made them all in the C so that you can remember them easily. I'm calling the first category constituent. And, and here's how I describe them. This is a relationship based on a cause. It's seasonal. Once the cause is over, so is the relationship. And these are some relationships. I don't know if you know that. In, in your work realm, maybe you come together over a certain assignment. You come together over a cause. Uh, it's there. It's not there to be long-term. It really is much more scaffolding. Uh, and then once that cause is over, then the relationship goes away. There's nothing wrong with that. Second thing you need to know, check it out. I call this our comrade. This is a relationship based on a common enemy. It is also seasonal, and once the enemy is conquered, then the relationship is over. The third one, and this was so much more Ruth, check it out, is our confidant. This is a relationship based on covenant. 
is long-term and can last for a lifetime. I believe that, of course, to be my lovely wife. We've been together 28 years. Can you encourage her? <laughs> Pastor Dave and his wife, Paula, they, they've been together with me now uh, for 29 years, more even than my wife. Come on. That's a long term. Pastor Rob and his wife, we've been together for now over 20 years. Isn't that great? That right there, that's a confidant. That's a long-term relationship. But I watch a lot of people, they don't understand, and they'll begin to mix these relationships up. And if you do, you're setting yourself up for hurt and dysfunction. And let me give you number three, because this will tie in exactly what I'm trying to say. This will help you a lot. There's a lot. I'm telling you now, there, you ought to be thankful for your church. I'm going to give you a lot of wisdom in this series. I'm going to help you get out of a whole lot of pain. And I'm going to help you set yourself up for biblical, functional relationships. Number three, check it out. Quit tying long-term emotions to seasonal relationships. There's a lot of wisdom there. Some of you are getting that. Quit tying long-term emotions to seasonal relationships. Those first two were short-term. Constituent, comrade, they're short-term. They're not meant to last forever. Those are orpa relationships. They're not there forever, and you need to know that. And if you mix them up, you're going to tie long-term emotions into short-term relationships, and you are setting yourself up for hurt. Now, now, now what do you mean by that, Pastor? All right, let, me, let me help you. Let me take some five different concepts about those three categories that I just gave you a moment ago, and let me help hone this in for you. There's going to be a lot of wisdom here. Are you ready? Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, there's wisdom coming at you. Come on, tell them. <laughs> wisdom coming at you. Turn to your neighbor on your left and say, hey, second choice, you really need this wisdom. I would have picked you first, but you're really not worth having a relationship with. <laughs> Don't say that. Don't. It's so funny. Some of y'all enjoy that way too much. Way too much. Number one, check it out. Relational pain occurs when you try to put a constituent or a comrade into the category of a confidant. And I just mentioned that. That's exactly when relational pain begins to occur. You take some kind of thing at work. That, that, that it's meant to be short-term. And please, let, let, me, let me help everybody. Your place of employment is not where you should go to get biblical counseling. Now, that, that, that shouldn't be a heavy revelation to everybody, but I watch a whole lot of people do that. They get into assignments with one another at work, and they pour their guts out to somebody that's simply a short-term relationship based on some sort of cause at work. You're setting yourself up for failure. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, now, now this life point, this will, help you, this will help you big. Check it out. Watch this. Maybe the person that hurt you so badly was not because he or she was bad, but because you put him in a bad position. Now, there's some lights going off in some places here. Now, all of a sudden, that person that hurt you at work, man, doggone, and now you're so ticked off and you're so offended about that, maybe it wasn't because they were so bad 
Maybe it was because you put them in a spot that God never intended them to be. You tried to download something from them that they were not hardwired to give you. And whenever you do that, you're going to frustrate them and you're going to frustrate yourself. Let me continue to explain. I remember many years ago when I was a youth pastor back in the 30s. I looked pretty good for my age. I appreciate that. And, 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 and my senior pastor, good man, good Bible teacher. But I remember, it was very clear to me, it just it stuck out so big to me. He took someone in the church on his church governing board. And this guy was a doctor. The doctor was very socially prominent, very intelligent, very well educated, uh, very financially astute, but very spiritually naive. He was a new believer, and this pastor, because of those other attributes, brought him on his elder board, and listen to me, this is the governing board of the church, and those positions are, should be reserved only, you can find elder qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and you find that those are only for mature spiritual people. Not just socially adept, not just financially adept, but mature spiritual people. And he brought that person that had a lot of good intellect and a lot of good influence and a lot of good finances and a lot of good education onto a board and onto a place that he should have never brought a novice. And I watched him do it. I knew it was a mistake. I knew it was wrong. Uh, but, you know, I'm not the pastor. I'm just the youth pastor. And so I, I remember watching this, and I remember after time, it was about six months after he did that, that guy got privileged to some information that caused him to get bothered and offended because he was not mature enough to handle it. He wrote half of the church a really lousy, mean, destructive, divisive letter about that pastor and almost split that church wide open. I remember how angry that pastor was at that doctor, but I want you to know while that doctor, and there's no excuse for what he did, can I tell you who caused that? It wasn't the doctor. It was the pastor. What do you mean? The pastor put that man into a position he had no business being in, and it wasn't so much that the guy was bad, it was that he was put in a bad position, and now bad things happen because you can't live the right life and have the wrong relationships. Is anybody catching any wisdom coming at you today? So true. I mean, I watch a lot of people. We're bus drivers, and we realize, you know, in, in those first two relationships, they're short-term. And we're bus drivers, and we let people on our bus, you know, and here we go and on in life. And you do realize, as a bus driver, you're probably going to stop in about 10 minutes and let these people off the bus. But you're pouring out your life and pouring out your heart and pouring out all of your emotions to someone who's going to be on your bus for 10 minutes. You're tying long-term emotions into short-term relationships, and you're setting your ride up in this bus for a really lousy, long ride. Helping anybody in the house. Come on. Second thing you need to know, here we go. Intimacy is developed through information. The more that I give you information about me, the more that we become intimate. 
And therefore, I want you to understand number three. This is really big. Check it out. Intimacy must be earned. Oh, please get that truth. This does not... Listen, listen to me closely. If you don't get anything else out of today, get this. Biblically, we are to love quickly, but trust slowly. And I watch people do the opposite. They love really, really slowly, but they trust people way too quickly. Intimacy must be earned. Information must be earned. Don't give away information too quick, particularly to short-term relationships. You're thinking, you're thinking. Look at number four. It'll become more clear. Check it out. Never release information to the unqualified. What do you mean, pastor? How many believe the words of Jesus? I'm not doing that good of a job as a pastor. How many believe the words of Jesus? I hope you all do. Let me show you his words. This will under, you'll understand you never release information to the unqualified. This is how Jesus said it. He said it a whole lot more uh, wisely than I could. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Check this out. Matthew 7 and verse 6. This is how Jesus said that same thought process. I love this. Give not that which is holy unto dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine. How many know Jesus was not nearly politically correct as some people are? Lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend, or the Greek reads, tear you. In essence, Jesus is simply saying, don't give away information to the unqualified. If you give it away too soon, if you give it away to a dog, if you give it away to a pig, then what's going to happen is you set them up in the wrong position. They're going to turn and tear you, and now you're mad at them. But Jesus said, don't be mad at them. Be mad at yourself. You gave them information that they were not qualified for. Let me, this is not helping you, so let me get to number five really quickly. This will help us understand even more. Check it out. Number five, pain is not a qualifier. Now, let me, let me dig in here just a little bit deeper. If you're here today and you're in pain, you need to release it. You need somebody to talk to. And, and, and may I challenge you, don't, don't, do not isolate yourself. Do not sit there and stew in your own hurt because, listen to me, when we're in pain, we are at our most selfish. That's why I tell people all the time, you have to have purpose beyond your pain. So you need somebody to talk to, and you need, but listen to me. When you're in pain, who you should talk to is not a constituent, not a comrade, but a confidant. Because if you're in pain, and you talk to somebody too quickly in relationship number one, comrade relationship number two confidant or, or constituent if you if you talk to them and you're in pain you are setting yourself up for miss piggy to turn on you and tear you come on kermit could i have an amen are, are, are you are you out there now pain is not a qualifier well i would never do that oh my goodness you do it all the time on facebook you pour your guts out to somebody that you have no idea who they are. They're not a confidant, and you wonder why you keep getting burned. 
You pour your guts out at Starbucks, ladies, to a man that you, you, just, got, you just got dumped or whatever by someone, and you pour your guts out at Starbucks to a guy that you just met 30 minutes ago. You're setting yourself up to be torn. <laughs> I'm giving you wisdom, folks. I'm telling you, I'm giving you wisdom. That's so powerful. Pain is not a qualifier. Now, if you're in pain, there, you need to talk to somebody. That, that, You've got to talk to a confidant. We, we have pastoral uh, staff here that you can talk to, and they'll talk to you from a biblical vantage point, and you can be safe and protected in that conversation. You do need help. We're not saying that, but make sure you get that help from the right person or you're setting yourself up to have all kinds of pain in your relationships. Now, now, now listen to me closely, and this is worth coming for. A lot of people come to this church, and they're hurting. Uh, they've been to other churches, and they've been hurt and, and burnt. We get a lot of folks that come here to heal because this is a healthy healing environment. How many know, how many know that you can heal in the midst of joy? You can heal in the midst of laughter. You really can. Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart does good like a medicine. We get all kinds of folks that are hurt and they come from other church and, churches and, and they've been burnt. And, and listen to me. Here's the advice that we give and here's the advice that we want to give everybody in the house. Trust in increments. Ever say in increments. Now, if I was a pastor that didn't care about people, I would just tell you, no, no, I'm just, you know, just trust. Come on, just trust. No, 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 no. Even me, trust in increments. Don't do it right away. Don't trust right away. Trust in increments. If I had a, a, a horse in the race or a dog in the show, I would tell you something different. Trust in increments. But here's also the counterbalance. Because even if you trust in increments, please know, even in trusting us long term, you say, well, how, how do I trust in increments? Well, you feed just a little bit of yourself away. Give yourself a little bit away. And if someone does well with that, give them more. I, I've got a 16-year-old son. He's right now working with the children's ministry. I am feeding him responsibility in increments. He's got his first car. Lord, help us all. <laughs> that was for you Catholics in the house. Are you blessed? We're giving him responsibility. He's got a new car. Blah, blah, you know, now all of a sudden, I mean, the decisions that he make, makes are, are life-affecting decisions. So we're giving him rope in increments. How he does with it depends on how much rope he gets. If he does well, he gets more rope. If he does not do well, we reel in a little bit of that rope. The same thing is with all relationships. Give yourself away in increments, not in 30 minutes over Facebook, not in five minutes over FarmersOnly.com. In increments. And then if people do well with those increments, then go ahead and give yourself away a little bit more. But here's the key, because if you've been hurt, you're going to look from a relationship and you're going to cling out of fear to safety. And there is no church or no person in the world that is perfect. It does not exist. Well, it does exist. It's called heaven, pastored by uh, Pastor Jay Christ. And if you would like to get there early, we could arrange that. 
I, I remember uh, many years ago at our old facility, we had a woman come that she was hurt at a local church and, you know, all, all that goes with that. And she, she was hurt. And, and so she came to us and she started coming to church and she started really enjoying the teaching and was beginning to get healed up. Well, at a certain point, she, she had some questions. And, and, and please hear me right. We are thrilled and honored to answer your questions. Those people that have nothing to hide, hide nothing. We want to answer your questions. But this woman came in, she came in and talked to Pastor Dave, and she said, now, Pastor Dave, she said, I've been coming to church, I've been growing, I've been thriving, I've been really liking it, uh, but I was hurt in another church. And I must tell you, I've got 30-some questions to ask you before I join the church. And now here was her comfort. She said, now, don't be taken back by that because I'm about to enroll my kid in a Christian school and I have 99 questions for them. <laughs> That's a true story. Now, now, please listen to me closely. Again, as I mentioned, we are glad and honored to answer your questions. But I can promise you with that woman, we could answer 32 questions. She would always have 33. When we answer 33, she has 34. When we answer 34, she has 35. And with the Christian school, when they answer 99, she has 100. Why? There is no question that will satisfy her because here's what she's trying to do. She is now trying to control. And that's what people try to do that have been hurt. I watch people that go through difficulties, that go through tragedies in their life. They become control freaks. They have good hearts, they mean well, but they try so hard to control everything so that nobody else ever gets hurt. I, I just wrote a, 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 a few days ago, I'm going to be doing it sometime in August. I, I wrote a, a, a series called Snowplow Parents. Well, you're going you're gonna to love it. It's going to help so much. That's the day and age in which we live. We live in a day and age where with parents, they try to clear the road for everything, everything, everything that their kid would ever face that would be tough or difficult. And they want to make sure it's all the road is beautiful and clear and wonderful. And it's a wonderful snowplow. The problem with that is you set your kid up for failure, mom or dad, because there are going to be obstacles. And I can tell you, grades and trophies are not near as important as character and overcoming skills in life. <laughs> Quit trying to... True story. There was a family that never... That growing up, the kid would never... They would never put sauce of any kind on any of their food. So the kid gets to college, and the, in, in college, there's sauce on the cafeteria food. The kid leaves college, drops out of college, goes back and lives with mom and dad. Why? Because she couldn't stand the sauce on the cafeteria food. And mom and dad let her back in. That is a snowplow parent. They're everywhere in this, in this culture, guys. This is what America is all about right now. And listen to me, I am all for helping your kid. And I, get, I mean, why do you think? Think about the whole thing with all the, all the rich moms and dads uh, you know, uh, rigging the system to get their kids in expensive schools. Come on, what's that all about? That's a snowplow. And so this is the culture in which we live. And that's what that woman who's trying to control everything out of fear, because that's what control is all about, when you're fearful, you try to control everything. And please don't mistake me. I want things done with excellence. I want to make sure that our children are protected, and I get all of that. 
But there's a difference between that and a fear-based control where I've got to make sure I get every one of those 30 questions answered and every one of those 99 questions answered. And I can tell you right now, listen to me very closely, there is no perfect church. I am sure not the perfect pastor. You can tell that already. Uh, This is not the perfect pastor's wife, although you're getting closer. No such thing, guys. You say, Pastor, if I come here to church, I want you to promise me. I was hurt at other churches. I want you to promise me that I'm never going to be hurt here. I will promise you the opposite. If you hang around long enough, at some point, you are going to be disappointed and you are going to be hurt. Can I tell you why? There are people here. (laughs) And there's lots of them. So at some point in your life, there's going to be a misunderstanding. There's going to be a disagreement. There's going to be a little bit of conflict. But how you handle that will show us how mature or immature you are. Because at some point in our lives, we've got to learn how to disagree agreeably. And if I'm always running from everything that hurts me, if I'm a slow snowplow parent, I'm always trying to protect my kid, that anything that's challenging... We're setting ourselves up and our kids up for failure. Is this helping anybody in the house today? Come on. Trust in increments, yes. But understand at some point, you're just going to have to go ahead and say, you know what, this is a good church with a lot of good things in it. It's not a perfect church. Uh, But that's the devil's biggest trick. He's always trying to get you to look at the one tree in the garden that you can't have instead of all the beautiful trees in the garden that you can have. So church, this is what this series is all about. Helping you have functional, biblical, whole relationships because you can't live the right life when you have the wrong friends. But I'm convinced if you know how to navigate relationships correctly, your life can be a whole lot better.